Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll free and bring up whatever you want. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. Like freedom, that's 855-450-3733. We do have Skype and you may Skype on in here at Skype username LRN.FM. Joining you in our studio tonight, it's Ian. Daryl. And Mark. And, uh, well, not good news. We do not have good news to share with you about uh, Ross Ulbricht, the man who is currently serving a double life sentence plus, what, 40 years or yep. something like that, for running a website, for creating a program that allowed people to buy and sell the things that they wanted to on the internet. They put this guy in prison. He's like 30-ish years old, very young. Uh, they put him in prison because he made a website. Yep. And there was an appeal that uh, we had talked to his mother, Lynn. Uh, we've had her on the show a number of times over the, over the years because this has been going on since he was initially arrested, I believe, in uh, October of 2013. Yes. For operating the Silk Road, which was at the time the world's most renowned, infamous underground marketplace on the uh, the Tor network, which is stands for the Onion Router. It's an anonymizing system, supposedly, uh, for the Internet. And they just, you know, they th- not only did they throw the book at him uh, to send a message. The whole library. Because, you know, people who were selling heroin on his website, they got, you know, five to ten years. Right. Ross, who programmed the site, that's a that's speech. When you write programming, you're typing words into a computer and the computer compiles those words into an executable piece of software yes. that can run. Programming is speech and yes. this is supposed to be a free country there's the you know pesky first <laughs> amendment that you know the first amendment still exists that says you know you have a right to, to freedom of oh, speech have but you not seen the redacted version of the bill of rights maybe does it have a bunch of like black <laughs> yeah the basically you know almost all of it is blacked out except for you know congress shall make laws infringing so um yeah and and we knew that there was an appeal that was proceeding, and obviously, you know, his mom, Lynn, surely she wanted to believe that there was a possibility of its success. I think it we really all did. It seemed like it. I, I mean, think we it all was such to. a messed up case, I couldn't believe that it wouldn't would it make it through an appellate court. You mean like with the fact that there were at least two cops who have gone to prison who were on his investigative team that were guilty and pled guilty for corruption they were trying to yeah. uh steal money from the money that was confiscated by the government no, the they things, weren't trying to steal money they, they did, did yeah. steal money also all the things that were that they couldn't talk about in trial um you know the ways that they were you know right. the jury was manipulated oh yeah this judge was all, obviously you know her mind was made up she was on the side of the prosecution from day one and did all kinds of just untoward and you know, inappropriate things legally that seemed just obviously biased and not fair. This was not a fair trial. It was not justice in any way, shape, or form. And you thought that maybe there was a chance that one of the points, because there was a multitude of points, you know, we've just touched on some of them, that the appeals attorneys were making in their case, that one of the points would have stuck, would have resulted in a, a mistrial, Maybe another trial, another chance where you know the full evidence could be brought to uh, to light. Like for instance, the fact that after Ross Ulbricht was put into federal custody, where he would have no access 
to a computer, the fact that somebody logged into the Red Pirate Roberts account, the administrator's account that was supposedly his account, after he'd been put into prison, somebody logged into that account, that, you know, that could co- go in front of a, jur- a jury in a, in a, in a retrial and you know, give him a chance at seeing some light of day at the end of this uh, this dark tunnel that, yeah. that he's in. But, uh, and, you know, negating the evidence that these corrupt agents had collected, throwing that out because fruit of the poisonous tree, if these corrupt agents are guilty of stealing and being dishonest, then how is it that any of the evidence that they have collected should be considered on the up and up? Well, without getting too far into this article, and I did read the article from Wired, uh, the judge basically says, yeah, it doesn't really make any difference that there were corrupt agents. Is it one judge? No, it must have been a panel. It was a a panel of judges from the Second Circuit uh, but you know, generally there's one judge that writes the opinion and the other judges agree to the opinion. So, right. you know, whoever it was or jointly written, whatever, they basically said, yeah, it doesn't matter that there were corrupt, uh, people. Evidence is evidence. Basically. Yes. Yeah. So after more than five years, this according to wired.com and Andy Greenberg, who has been reporting on the Silk Road for quite a long time. He was one of the people who was actually attending the trial, uh, and and some of our friends went down to that trial as well, um, including Derek J. Freeman from Victimless Crime Spree and more. Anyway, after more than five years, the saga of the Dread Pirate Roberts has ended, and the founder of the Silk Road has lost his last chance of escaping a lifetime in prison. On Wednesday, a Second Circuit appellate court rejected the appeal of Ross Ulbricht, who two years ago was sentenced to life in prison without parole for creating and running the Silk Road, a massive dark web drug market. Ulbricht. All right. So before we yep. get too far, uh, I, I want to have a little bit of hope. And when I say a little bit, I mean like you know a microscopic, tiny, tiny, tiny bit of hope that hopefully in four or eight years there's a president that's not completely horrible that would pardon at him? least commute the sentence even okay. if not a full pardon just commute the sentence like happened with chelsea manning yes uh and again when, when i say a tiny amount of hope i'm that's talking a real small you know, like yeah. microscopic yeah. You, you know the scene from uh dumb and dumber where you know one in a million Oh, so you're saying there's, there's a chance. Like, yeah. one in a million would still be very large con- compared to the amount of hope that I have. But, yeah. still, you know, there's a, a sliver. I hope you're right about that. Um, but I guess that's the only way he's getting out at this point. Is this point. a conviction uh, in New York State or is this federal court conviction? This is federal. federal. Yeah, that, uh, I'm sorry, Daryl. I don't have that sliver of hope. Like I said, it's microscopic. Yeah, I mean, you're it's asking- like a grain of sand on, you know, compared to the entire galaxy. Is how the only way it would happen is my if, little piece of hope is is if there was some major drug drug reform that happened also at that same time frame. Yeah, you right. Know? I mean, I would have right. had more hope that Obama would have done it than I do that Trump would do it. Mm-hmm. Trump uh, is in it. Oh, least I know for Trump's year. not going to do it. That's why I said, said in four years. or eight yeah. years. In f- yeah, I, I mean, four years. That's when he's going out. The the new president, he's going for re-election. Well, presidents don't pardon on their way in. 
they pardon on their way out. Um, I mean, you basically have to have Harry Brown, uh, you know, the personified. The, That's the, new, the libertarian presidential candidate from 96 and 2000. Yeah, you have to have the new Harry Brown step in, say, um, you know, we're ending the drug war and all well, of stupidity. Well, he'd be pardoned first day if it was Harry Brown. Right. That, that's, that's what one I mean. of the things that Harry Brown um, – that was one of his campaign promises was that his first day in office, right. he would not only bring the troops home from around the globe, but he would also pardon all nonviolent uh, you know, victimless criminals. Right. So back to uh, the story here from Greenberg over at Wired.com. Ulbricht had used the Dread Pirate Roberts pseudonym and had persistently fought his conviction for crimes including drug trafficking and money laundering as well as his unexpectedly harsh life sentence. He and his lawyers pointed to what they described as illegal searches in the investigation, the involvement of at least two federal agents now proven to be corrupt, and Ulbricht's draconian punishment for what they described as nonviolent crimes. The three-judge appellate panel nonetheless affirmed the decision of the lower court, albeit with notes of muted criticism of American drug laws. This is the most bizarre part of this particular story. Quote, this from the, the judge's opinion. Quote, reasonable people may and do disagree about the social utility of harsh sentences for the distribution of controlled substances or even of criminal prohibition of their sale and use at all. They continued saying, quote, it is very possible that at some future point we will come to regard these policies as tragic mistakes and adopt less punitive and more effective methods of reducing the incidence and costs of drug use. And we'll continue their quote here. Yeah, continue the quote in definitely. A the toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We will continue, and you can share your thoughts with us here on Ross Ulbricht. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You may dial on in toll-free here at 855-450-FREE. More about the Silk Road the most recent verdict, not good for the future of Ross Ulbricht, the creator of the Silk Road, the world's most infamous and amazing and successful, or at least for, the, for its time, underground marketplace. Of course, the federal government wanted to send a message by sending him to prison for the rest of his life, plus another lifetime, and then some beyond that. But uh, apparently the message wasn't really heard on the dark net because there's you know plenty of underground darknet marketplaces that exist today there are probably more than we could easily rattle off uh, there's usually you know new ones popping up all the time many of them with thousands of listed items at any given moment in time so if anything there's more proliferation of these markets than there w- was back in 2011 and 2013 right which- to to some extent it's the streisand effect mm-hmm. of we don't want this oh you don't want it okay here's, some more here's it. more Yep. And so, you know, no crackdown is going to stop the black marketplace. They're just going to get more inventive. They're going to get more creative and they're going to get better at, you know, hiding their their marketplace origin, you know, where the servers are and things right. like that and make it more difficult uh, for the federal various federal agencies from around the globe to uh, to follow them. Anyway, Bitcoin.com has uh, been reporting on this messy situation behind the scenes of Bitcoin. It is maybe going to clear up. There's a supposed consensus that was reached about a week ago where they say they are going to, within six months, uh, start fixing some of these major problems with the Bitcoin system, the Bitcoin network that is currently full of transactions. 
Uh, they're supposed to be increasing the block size and more, uh, in- introducing this segregated witness technology that's supposed to make things better and make it so the more transactions can be processed per second or per minute. And Bitcoin.com has been reporting on this the whole time with the crazy transaction fees that have increased by more than 1,200% since just 2015 and have been shooting up a lot more in just the last couple of months. You go to news.bitcoin.com. You can follow along with the latest on what's happening in the Bitcoin universe. That's news.bitcoin.com. And, of course, Bitcoin's tied in here with uh, the Silk Road. It was, to some extent, Bitcoin... Uh, that or the, the Silk Road, rather, is one of the things that I think helped put Bitcoin on the map. I mean, I realize that there are some people who want to poo-poo the, oh, Bitcoin's not just for drugs. Well, obviously it's not. It's like cash for the internet. But people use cash for drugs, too. At, at and, a higher percentage. What do you mean? So I found something recently showing you know what the percentage of Bitcoin transactions used for, quote-unquote, illegal activity and it was really small, like half a percent mm-hmm. or something, or it might have been five percent. But you know, in either case, small, small percentage. The percentage of cash that is used for illegal activity is close to ten percent. Wow, for real? Yes, I thought it was only like double or something like that, like one percent. Right, so five percent to ten percent is oh. double. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so it, it I thought must you said have been. 0.5%. I apologize. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if there was the decimal point, but now it's that I think about it, there 10, was not. 10% of cash is used for illegal activities, but mm. I guess Americans use a lot of credit cards. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, let's see, where was it going? Yeah, Bitcoin.com. Go check out news.bitcoin.com. So, we were sharing with you uh, the Wire.com story about today's terrible news out of an appellate court, the Second Circuit Appellate Court. Decided that uh, Ross Ulbrich, he's going to stay right where he is in federal prison and there will be no retrial. There will be no resentencing, which were a couple of the hopes that right. those of us who wanted to see something happen yep. here. A new were trial for. makes a hell of a lot of sense in this right. case. I mean, I just Given don't the corrupt understand. agents that have been convicted and sent to prison. And, yeah, yeah. and new evidence has been, um, I mean, like this is, I, I don't understand. Well, evidence, at, not only new evidence, but evidence they had but was not were not allowed to uh, to bring to trial. Right. So those two, there. those two little things, those two things are enough to get you a new trial in just about every circumstance. Mm-hmm. imaginable the fact that somebody logged in as dread pirate roberts when he was in jail sh- right. is, is is enough new evidence to get a new trial the fact that information was disallowed in trial that clearly should have been allowed in trial you're using logic I, well, yeah. I mean, the law is supposed to be based on logic. I understand that um, these judges, these judges' job was to see whether or not this person received a fair trial, and this person did not receive a fair trial. I don't understand. I cannot understand how they came to the conclusion that they came to. But and especially with this whole this lip service to the drug war and against the drug war. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. So let's finish the quote because. Yep. Just part of the quote makes it sound like, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, maybe you should think about changing something at some point. They say that it's very possible at some future point, this is the court's opinion, uh, we will come to regard these policies as tragic mistakes and adopt less punitive and more effective methods of reducing the incidence and costs of drug use. I mean, that's almost a, a statement 
from the court saying that they believe there are more effective methods and uh, that you know there are less punitive methods that could be more effective. It sounds like um, you know the the libertarian like a libertarian party platform plank. I mean, it's that kind of you know verbiage. Then the rest of the statement is as follows: "Quote as this, or excuse me, at this point in our history, however, the democratically elected representatives of the people have opted for a policy of prohibition backed by severe punishment." Translation: It's illegal. Therefore, go to jail, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do yep. not collect $200, and die in jail. That's the translation. This is not an anti-prohibitionist ruling at all. I didn't all say it was an anti-prohibitionist ruling. Imagination. No, I didn't say that at any point. I said it's strange that they would put language like this in here when they're upholding prohibition. I mean, th- this statement is completely confusing while it it it's makes it seem like these judges understand that prohibition's a bad policy. Oh, they understand, but, but the we law can't says do anything you about go to it. jail. Right. So therefore go to jail. Does it matter that it's immoral for us to send you to jail for this? That's right. It's the law. We have to follow the law, so therefore Go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. But they don't have to follow the law. They can do whatever they want to do. That's uh, Okay. First off. They can um, interpret it it how they want. It is their job to uphold the law. And the law of the land Their job is is to interpret the law. Their job is to interpret what the intention of the uh, legislatures was when they wrote this I don't think there's any mystery as to what the legislators... And compare it versus the Constitution. Yeah, I don't think that there's any mystery as to what the legislators intended in this circumstance. I think the ruling from that standpoint is good. I think the ruling from the standpoint of new evidence and uh, suppressed evidence is illegal, and these judges should have their heads chopped off on, uh, you know, right on the lawn of the uh, the, the White House. That's what Mark this says is, the, is for entertainment value only. That is not a uh, true statement. Oh, well, I think that the government should do it. <laughs> I, I think the executive. You be careful branch, when you're threatening judges. I'm not. There, Mark. I'm not threatening any judges. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It was I'm, for entertainment value. No, no. I think that only. the executive branch should uh, institute a death penalty against judges that. Uh, suppress that, that that go along with suppressed evidence and that disallow trials for new and clear esculpatory evidence that is insane to me our toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM 855-450-3733 coming up we'll talk more about what they said in their ruling where they dismiss all of the arguments on the appeal this is free talk live dash is digital cash a digital currency designed to replace cash and help people manage their own wealth. It's fast and easy, fees are low, and transactions are confirmed instantly. Pay anyone, anywhere in the world, anytime, for just pennies on the dollar. Dash is the first digital money that's governed by its users. Join Dash and help us build a better financial system for everyone. Find out more at dash.org. That's dash.org. Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free here. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Our number is 855-450-FREE. Like Freedom, that's 855-450-3733. We're sharing with you the terrible news, but not unexpected news, from the Federal Appeals Court, the Second Second Circuit Appellate Court, which heard the case of Ross Ulbricht, a man who is currently in prison 
in New York State for uh, federal charges that relate to drug dealing and computer hacking. Uh, conspiracy, I think, is the majority of what he was convicted of. And uh, sentenced to double life in prison plus 40 years. Um, none of that's going to be overturned. Not a single point that the appeal made was accepted by the court. They rejected all of them. And we'll tell you more about that coming up here. I do want to let you know about Freedoms Phoenix. It is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. If you want the newest and freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty, then check out freedomsphoenix.com. They've got a daily dispatch, and it's the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's Freedoms Phoenix. Dot com. We're sharing from the Wired article by Andy Greenberg, who has been following the Silk Road case for quite a long time. I uh, remember we read a number of his pieces on the actual trial that happened uh, over two years ago. It was back in tw- early 2015, the yep, winter time. He was convicted two years and, I believe, three days ago? Oh, right. This, you mean like sentenced or whatever. I believe he was convicted back in the winter because his trial right. was the, the- in the winter. That must have. Been, I, I just remember, you know, having seen on Facebook a couple of days ago and the you know Facebook memories thing. Yeah, it was sentencing. posting must have been the sentencing. So he's in prison, and it doesn't look like he's going to be getting out unless, as Daryl pointed out, we have some sort of semi-human president who actually decides to you know cut Ross loose on a commutation or. Pardoning would be nice, but uh, again, all of Pardoning these are would be nice. fancy ideas I, at this I, point. I'll, you know, uh, again, it's like you know, one grain of sand in the entire universe of hope yeah. that he'll at least get a commutation. Now, you know, it's not one of these things to where, you know, like I, I'm waiting on it, fingers crossed, hold my breath until it happens. Well, um, so the... Prison system is full of opportunities to continue to take your case back for um, all kinds of d- relief. Okay, right? Um, you know, there's there's different opportunities. So I'm, where do they go from here? Well, they would, uh, you know, they can ask, uh, you know, they can ask the judge to reconsider. They that can almost never does anything. Yeah, they can, uh, you know, petition the president for clemency. There's a variety, and, and I think that they could probably go back on what another appeal. What about the appeal. Supreme Court? I think they would have to go to, and I don't believe it was the full circuit that heard this, so they could petition to to have the full circuit hear it, Okay, and then after that, I believe, would be Supreme Court. I don't think you can go directly to the Supreme Court without going to the full circuit. All right, well, but again... We're talking about something that is incredibly costly. Just the paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. The paperwork alone on this was damn near $20,000. So you'd think they could just go and hit resubmit and have the full court hear it, but I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. Right. Because you have to have transcripts and all all the judges' stuff. Yeah. And those are thousands of dollars. That's what was nearly $20,000 for this hearing on an appeal. You're going to need transcripts of for the whole this. panel. Yeah, as though and these then, judges read those uh, twenty thousand, those those entire and complete right. trans, yeah. tran- transcripts of twenty thousand. Oh yes, we read every single word that you submitted. Nope, they scan stuff. In its ruling, the appellate court, this is Wired.com, the appellate court addresses and dismisses each of Ulbricht's arguments, starting with his claim that the surveillance of his home, network, Facebook, and Gmail accounts, as well as the seizure and search of his personal laptop, all represented unconstitutional searches. The appellate panel found that contrary to Ulbricht's claims, 
All of those investigative techniques were backed by a warrant and legal under modern readings of the Fourth Amendment. Now, here's what's unusual. And maybe it's just, you know, Wired not covering a specific detail. But the way that the FBI allegedly found the server Mm -hmm. has still never been explained in court. That's right. That's one of the things that the judge uh, managed to avoid having talked about, which would have been very enlightening because we we have no idea. They never had to show that chain of evidence, and right. which, which and is normally very important when it comes to evidence. How did know, you get here? How having did you find re- this? Having read the FBI agent's you know written report of how he found it, it could best be summarized as you know a magical leprechaun on a flying unicorn told me where it was because what he actually said does not stand up to the way computers work not according to security experts and who looked at the statement and even if it did it would be outside of the realm of legality for what the FBI is allowed to do to get computer evidence far more unusual in Obrick's case was the involvement of two now convicted who pled guilty, by the way, corrupt federal agents, Secret Service agent Sean Bridges stole hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin from the Silk Road. DEA uh, agent Karl Mark Force, I believe the fourth, attempted to extort Ulbricht and even sold him secret information from the Silk Road investigation. Ulbricht's lawyers argued that both agents influenced the Silk Road investigation and at times had access to the Silk Road servers that could have been used to frame the cl- their client, Ross. I.e., they could have made up evidence the whole thing. and put it on the server. Now, we know that Ross was involved at some point in the Silk Road because they admitted that in the opening statement of their defense. Right, but that doesn't but, mean that every word in the chat log was, was his. accurate and his. Right. Not, not only does it not mean that they were not necessarily his words because it was under a character named Dread Pirate Roberts, the operator of the website, but it also means that it wasn't even necessarily anyone who was Dread Pirate Roberts, and that it could have been Karl Mark Force or this other guy, Correct. Bridges. So could have we been don't know. them chatting back and forth to one another. One yeah. signed in as Dread Pirate Roberts right. because, as Mark mentioned earlier, well, so that it was Dread Pirate Roberts. I was wondering what you were trying to get there. Someone so the the username Dread Pirate Roberts could have said these did say these things. We don't know. That's my point. Is that they have a chat log. That supposedly shows Dread Pirate Roberts talking with whoever we're you know talking about here. It Carl could have Mark been Force. Karl Mark Force writing the entire thing it could have been him for talking both to himself. people. It could be a work of fiction by a man who is now convicted and in prison right. for embezzling millions of dollars, seeing an opportunity and embezzling millions of dollars under the color of law. That's right. They can't uh, prove it was Ross Ulbricht who wrote those words. Right. And that's why this uh, this thing is just such a mess. Not only can they not prove that it was Ross Ulbricht who wrote those words, they can't prove that it was even anyone who ever was truly Dread Pirate Roberts, whoever his other right. successors were, because he... He's the one who launched the site, and then we know that years later, it was actually Andy Greenberg, I believe, over at Wired, who did an interview with Dread Pirate Roberts. This was actually maybe like six months before the site got taken down. He did an interview with whoever Dread Pirates Roberts was, and that Dread Pirate Roberts said that he wasn't the first Dread Pirate Roberts, that there had been at least one more. And one of the investigators... 
testified during the initial trial, I believe it was Jared Duryegayan making this testimony, that they thought that Mark Karpelis from Mountain Cox was Dread Pirate Roberts. Three days later, the judge tells the jury, disregard, disregard everything this man said. Yeah. So, you know, reasonable doubt? I would say yes, but the jury wasn't even allowed to consider evidence that might have led them to a conclusion that there was reasonable doubt yep, in this case. Yep, everything this witness said. So the judges once again disagreed. Uh, Ulbricht, quote, they say, still has not shown how the agent's corrupt behavior is exculpatory. The relevant question on which none of Ulbricht's arguments cast any light or raises any doubt is whether any particular item of evidence was tainted in some way by the misconduct of bridges or force. How is none of this casting light or raising doubt? We, we have insane. We have yeah. corrupt federal agents. That we know were you know manipulating people. After Ross got arrested, somebody logged in as Dread Pirate Roberts. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And who was that somebody? Was it one of the two cops who've been caught so far? Or was it the third cop that is still on the loose, according to Ross Ulbricht's mentor? We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free. Bring up anything that you want right here. Our number is 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. Though if you've got comments on the terrible news out of the federal courts today, and that is that Ross Ulbricht's appeal has been rejected point by point by the second court panel. Now, maybe they will go back to the full appeals court and see what they say. And I don't know how many of that would be. Is that five or seven or, or what? I don't know. This it, was a three-judge panel. It, it depends on the circuit because some of the circuits have more uh, district courts in them. How many tens of thousands did it cost to do this uh, appeal? Probably 100,000 at least would be my guess. So ten tens of thousands. Yeah. Um, and then how many tens of thousands will it cost to do the same panel? Another, they have the transcripts, uh, so that was twenty grand right there. you got to order more transcripts for more judges. Yeah, because each judge has to have a, a plus transcript. updated transcripts because you need transcripts of, of the most recent hearing said. as well. Right. Yep. Yep. It's going to be expensive, no this, doubt about the it. The ruling doesn't make any sense to me. I haven't heard anything here in this article that makes it make sense to me. I mean, it just all it it makes. I, I guess it's it sort of it's like the planets have aligned. You know, Trump uh, tweets convivi, and this court puts out <laughs> the dumbest uh, you know ruling I've heard. I saw that late last night. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't see his actual tweet. I saw all these convivi things coming Has up. Has anyone like, checked on him? Did this? the guy have an aneurysm and fall he, over? He apparently deleted that tweet in the middle of the night at like 6 a.m. Uh-huh. and then posted a new tweet. Uh, but my understanding, because you know, online posts are technically you know a form of a record. Yeah. And federal law is every record created by a president is supposed to be archived. Retained. Okay. Forever. And so he's violating that, is what you're saying. He's violating that, and that also means that Kofifi is going to permanently be in (laughs) the archives. (laughs) I I was uh, looking at... Urban Dictionary has an amazing definition for this. Yeah, 
says when you try to spell coverage, but your hands are too small to hit all of the keys. <laughs> Is that what the word was supposed to be? Co- coverage? Probably in context, it said uh, it negative looked- press Kofifi. <laughs> it makes sense that it would be the word Co- coverage. Coverage Negative makes press sense. Coverage. I just thought he like had an aneurysm yeah, and yeah, fell, just over. fell asleep I or mean, something while he was clunk. typing it, and then it somehow late. still yeah. like moved the mouse down to click submit. Well, uh, well I mean, you know, he just followed it on his. Yeah. It could have been on his portable device. A lot of people update their twitters from their handheld device, so he might have just you know like. Hit the enter key is he allowed to have an internet connected handheld device? Why because he be? He's allowed to have nuclear Obama weapons. Obama had a BlackBerry. sake! No, they made him do extra security stuff, and then I think they took that away at really? one point. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had it at least at one point. Um, the funniest thing I saw. You know, there's so much. There were so many jokes of this Kafifi thing. It just yeah. blew up all over the place late last night. And the funniest thing I saw was uh, how do you pronounce it? Is it Kavfefe, Kavfefe, or like Kavfefe? So like, how do you, you know, or Kavfefe, whatever. Kavfefe is what I like. Yeah. There's no N. I just like Fifi in there. Yeah, there is no N. It's C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Is that it? Kavfefe. Oh. oh, I see. I thought there was an N. Or Kavfefe. Anyway, uh, you want to comment on that? You're welcome to. We don't mind taking a break from this serious stuff here because it's pretty... Pretty brutal news today for supporters of Ross Ulbricht, uh, freeross.org. I'm sure they could still use your support, even if even if this is the end of the uh, the court appeals. I, I doubt they've paid their bills at this point. So uh, his family certainly needs the help, yeah. uh, freeross.org, to help them out with that, whether you want to contribute Bitcoin or PayPal or cut them a check. I know they'd appreciate it. They've, like, you know, taken out a, they've sold their house or taken out a second mortgage or something like that. They, yeah. don't, they don't have anything left. Uh, so back to the story here from Wired.com. The judges claim that there, uh, the, quote, there was the relevant question on which none of Ulbricht's arguments cast any light or raise any doubt is whether any particular item of evidence was tainted in some way by the misconduct of bridges or force. Those are the two cops that were uh, com- convicted and are now in prison for being corrupt during that investigation. Nothing in the government's disclosures, says the court, and nothing in that, uh, or nothing that Ulbricht identifies in the record or has produced from any independent source suggests that either Bridges or Force had such capacity. False. They absolutely, for, at the very least, Force had administrative access to that website. Yes. They, and I, I think Bridges might have as well. I don't recall the details in, in his specific case, but he certainly had access to take Bitcoin from, uh, you know, from the site so he probably had some high level access as well but they had busted one of the silk road administrators i believe cliff curtis or something or curtis green or something like that anyway one of the silk road admins had gone down and they took over his administrative functions right. so that nobody knew that he had gone you know gotten busted and so they continued to operate as though they were him on the site all the while being federal agents in an administrative capacity on the silk road so as an administrator on the site of course they had ability to make changes this just doesn't make any sense and fabricate logs i mean these are supposed these are i mean it's not like they're ignorantly saying this they i mean they they had all this information in front of them this is closer to a lie than it is to um you know like ignorance if that makes sense Mm -hmm. they're they're stating the opposite of the truth and they it's their job to know the truth and they're you know, either I mean I can't imagine this is ignorance. This doesn't seem like ignorance. 
Not only, this is back to Wired.com, not only did the court uphold the verdict, they maintained his life sentence, the severity of which a previous judge had questioned. It was quite a leap, Judge Gerald Lynch commented last year, adding that testimony from family members of Silk Road users who died from overdosing on drugs, quote, put an extraordinary thumb on the scale that shouldn't have been there, unquote. But in its final ruling, the court decided otherwise, quote, emotionally wrenching as the statements of the decedent's parents were, uh, we cannot and do not assume that federal judges are unable to put their sympathies for particular victims to one side and assess the evidence for its rational relationship to the sentencing decision. So they're basically saying that, oh yeah, she was emotional. That's okay. That's what that says there, right? Yeah. uh, This judge was, you know, she couldn't help but be swayed by the emotional uh, testimony here. So, harsher sentence. Yeah. They know well, the de- but I, I mean, if you're acknowledging that it's emotional, you probably uh, th- then it's probably the appeals appellate court's job to undo it. If that yeah, well, they're sense. saying that it's they can't uh, assume that the judge is unable to put her sympathy aside, and so apparently that's okay. You know, just part and parcel being a human being, you're just going to have to you know judge how you feel at, rather than what you know the actual legal sentence should be for this crime based on you know the fact there was no victims. I don't think that's what a judge is supposed to do. I agree with you, which is why this is a shocking statement from them. Yeah. They know that the deaths of Silk I agree Road customers- that judges can't put aside their emotions. I don't agree that other judges should uphold their sentences if they think that's what happened. I agree with you. Now, and one thing that's interesting about federal uh, drug cases there's actually some kind of computer formula that mm. the judges are supposed to use that help them determine what the sentence should be. And there's a little bit of leeway, but you know, it's not entirely up to the judge, but this judge definitely went above and beyond what that minimum sure should did. have been. They note the deaths of Silk Road customers don't figure into the life sentence so much as Ulbricht's alleged attempts to pay for the murders of a witness, an informant, and three others. Uh, Alleged in that somebody said it one time, there's never been a formal charge, and he's never gone to trial on it and never been convicted. But they were able to drag that out in the trial. allege that Judge Catherine Forrest, the woman that sentenced Ross Ulbricht to two life sentences plus 40 years, I can allege that she rapes baby penguins. I have no evidence but I can allege that she does that. And if you were, Fifi. if you were to, if you were, is <laughs> uh, if you were to actually make that statement in a courtroom, you would be thrown out of court. You would, you know, possible mistrial. They would maybe sentence you with a contempt charge. I mean, for you to make a statement like that, well, where's you would never the evidence with that it. she doesn't? Well, right. And the thing is, they made that statement about Ross, about him committing murders, in court, in front of this jury, probably on more than one, on at least one, if not more than one occasion. They dragged out these allegations with yeah, no evidence. Unfiled charges. Right. In a completely different uh, federal district court. Based on chat logs that were on a server that were uh, accessible by corrupt federal agents. Where we know that one of the corrupt federal agents was involved in the chat. That's right. 
Uh, in light of the overwhelming evidence, says the court, that Ulbricht was prepared, like other drug kingpins, to protect his profits by paying large sums of money to have individuals who threatened his enterprise murdered, it would be plainly wrong to conclude that he was sentenced for accidental deaths that the district court discussed only in passing in imposing a sentence. They wrote. We'll uh, look a little deeper at that quote here in moments. Our toll free number is 855 450 free. That's 855 450 3733. This is Free Talk Live, Hour 2, coming up. North to Port is a liberty inspired fiction podcast about a band on tour. Each episode chronicles the band's adventures in the form of a radio interview at a tour stop location. Listen as North to Port explores liberty themes in friendly ways with humor and music. To listen to the podcast and the accompanying album, please visit northtoport.com. That's N O R T H T O P O R T.com. Or just search North to Port in your favorite podcatcher. It is Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free and bring up anything that you want. We're launching into the second hour of the show, still talking about the terrible news out of federal courts today, specifically the Second Court of Appeals. A panel of judges there, a three-judge panel, has basically ruled completely against the appeals case for Ross Ulbricht. And so we've been sharing some of the details on that. They point by point rebutted the case, claiming that even though, yeah, there were some corrupt cops who've now gone to prison because they took guilty pleas, admitting that they were corrupt and you know stealing money and who knows what else, uh, you know, taking bribes. That uh, oh, the fact that those cops gathered evidence and had full administrative access to the Silk Road server, for those who don't know, the Silk Road was the world's most infamous underground uh, drug marketplace until 2013 when it was taken down in October. But these corrupt cops had access to that server and they could have planted all manner of evidence in there. No, no, no. The fact that all those things is true, that didn't lead any credence to this appeal whatsoever says the judges. Now, that's not the exact quote. I'm paraphrasing what uh, what they said there. But uh, if you want to hear some of the exact quotes, we'll put the Wired story up on our Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, you can always grab the full show later tonight. If you missed the first hour, you can go grab it anytime over at freetalklive.com. It's Ian, Daryl, and Mark in the studio here tonight. So after you know this summary from the uh, Wired.com's Andy Greenberg the very end here, he points out, uh, in the end, the court notes that sentencing guidelines actually justify his life sentence, even without consideration of any attempted hit jobs or overdose deaths. So they were justifying the fact that he was sentenced to more than life. It was a double life plus 40 year right. sentence. And they were saying that ultimately that it was not just the people who were harmed allegedly by the drugs that they got from the Silk Road because they trotted those folks out in the sentencing hearing. But they also claimed that because they believe that Ulbricht was, quote, prepared like other drug kingpins to protect his profits by paying large sums of money to have individuals who threatened his enterprise murdered. It would be plainly wrong to conclude that he was sentenced for accidental deaths that the district court discussed only in passing in imposing sentence. So they're they're justifying the original court's sentence, saying, "Oh, the court, uh, the uh, other court judge, Ms. Forrest, she. We'll talk about her here in a moment, but uh, that judge, Ms. Forrest, 
it wasn't just the the sentencing that was swaying her on this. He was an attempted murderer, even though there's no again, evidence. There's well, there's there's a fabricated no chat log that it's not evidence. If they had evidence, they'd have charged him with it. Well, okay. right. They don't have enough evidence to yeah. bring forth a charge. They do have what is very likely a fabricated chat log, and this unfiled allegation that they've never brought formal charges on. He's never been convicted on. He's never had a hearing right. on. So they just mention it in passing. And, and the judges are taking this the as judge says, God's word. Oh, well, he's alleged to have done something. Well, how do we know that Judge Catherine B. Forrest of the New York Federal Court has never raped baby penguins? Right. How do we know? Uh, uh, if if a judge... Um, I have a chat log here that, uh, where someone claiming to be her says that she raped baby penguins. If, if Therefore, a, she must have done it. If a judge... Um, sentences somebody for a crime that they haven't been charged um you know tried and found guilty of that judge is um well they're doing they're doing something illegal well here they're justifying it later they're saying that well well even if it wasn't even if she wasn't influenced by the you know these right then they're saying that that it was a a life she could have still done this anyway but they also um you know they 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 trot out these victims of uh you know bad drugs that were bought on uh, silk road right i think that bad drugs are a um, a danger that one deals with when one does drugs. I mean, until the the until the drug war it wasn't until you, necessarily bad drugs. It was that they did too much of them and died. Okay, fine. Overdoses are another yeah. thing. If if uh, if I buy a bow and arrow, or if uh, somebody buys a bow and arrow on eBay and shoots me with it, can I shoot? Can I uh, sue eBay? No. I mean, it is reasonable right. that someone might use a bow and arrow, a device intended to shoot living things with, um, might shoot me, and so therefore eBay should not sell those things. I don't believe that for one solitary right. second. And there, there's but- actually federal precedent that operators of online stores cannot be held liable for what the users do. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So, uh, anyway, more to the story here. As Judge uh, Catherine Forrest explained at the time, Ulbricht's life sentence was intended to send a message yeah. to other would-be dark web drug kingpins. Which is a, uh, you know, I mean, you're not supposed to sentence me on other people's cr- potential crimes in the future. You're supposed to sentence me on my crime. Right, but you know, a lot of times the judges will not only sentence you for your crime, but they'll look and see what your criminal record looks like. This man ran a red light in 1974. He well, I think did this other thing, and so therefore... We're putting you away for life on this stealing a loaf of bread. If um, I think that taking your criminal record into account makes a hell of a lot of sense, a hell of a lot more sense than taking into account the potential criminal record of other people in the imaginary future. That's what sending a message is. Sending a message is intending to stop crimes that have not yet occurred by sentencing a person more harshly. Right, but... You know, let, let me give another more extreme example All of right. using someone's criminal record. Uh, let's say somebody has... But Ross Albrecht didn't have two, a criminal record. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, judges still, they'll do this weird thing of, you have two petty uh, you know, uh, 
theft misdemeanors in your past and grand theft auto so therefore on this speeding ticket i'm going to put you away for as long as i can put somebody in jail for a speeding ticket even though it's totally unrelated you know whatever record there is totally unrelated judges will still use that as justification sure and they'll use any perceived well something else could happen and you know perceived scenarios in their mind as justification for all kinds of things yeah they do all kinds of things in this case they couldn't do it to ross albert because he didn't have a criminal record right Judge Forrest's strategy appears to have backfired, at least in the short term. Sales on Silk Road successor sites doubled in the immediate wake of Ulbricht's sentence. Sure, as advertising. As news of the trial's outcome raised awareness of the dark web drug market. In their ruling, the judges subtly expressed their own doubts about the lower court's sentencing decision, even as they affirm it is legal, saying, quote, Courts have the power to condemn a young man to die in prison. And judges must exercise that power only in a small number of cases after the deepest thought and reflection. I thought about it long and hard, and yep, I'm right. You deserve to die in prison. They said further, quote, although we might not have imposed the same sentence ourselves in the first instance, on the facts of this case, a life sentence was within the range of permissible decisions that the district court could have reached. So there they are again saying we the judges. Yeah, we're better people than this judge here. We probably the, would have done something different. The arbiters of fairness have decided that this uh, isn't fair but they're going to let it go. That's what happened. Yep. Because it, it was make any sense. quote within the range of permissible decisions end quote. Mm-hmm. So that is their job. I will put that out Somewhere between again. 5 years and Two life sentences plus 40 years. That's the range, and it was within the range, so therefore justified. Well, their job, Mark, is to look at the appeal and decide whether mistakes or errors of law were made. That's correct. And, and they did, and they missed several of them. They did that. They right. They missed several of those, but also they could absolutely overturn this draconian sentence. They, they could. could. They yeah. could very well say, "Look, yeah, it may have been within the range of permissible decisions, but." It was inhumane. <laughs> this is wrong. Prohibition needs to end. Here, we, this you know, court of judges, have decided to send a message that this judge made a mistake and that this stuff shouldn't happen anymore. And they Catherine, could totally do that. Catherine Forrest loves sending messages. But instead, they wanted to back up the system status quo. And that's all this was. This is just a pure justification of tyranny and the status quo. All the while throwing out, you know, props to the idea of ending prohibition at some yeah. point in the future. But not right now and not in this kid's lifetime. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You may join us right here, toll-free at 855-453. 855-450-3733. Joining you in the studio here tonight, it's Ian. Daryl. And Mark. We're still discussing the terrible news about Ross Ulbricht's appeal, which has been rejected by the initial panel that uh, was looking at it, the second court of appeals. Now, maybe they're going to try this again. Maybe they're going to ask for the full panel of judges to look at it. Um... It would seem like that would be the way to go here. That was what your suggestion was. 
earlier. Likely expensive, but could it be as expensive as filing the appeal? I mean, the appeal's basically written already unless they make some serious changes to it. I would hope that it is at least some fraction of the initial appeal's cost to try again, but I have no idea. I I don't know anything about that. I would also, I mean, so if this is a panel of three and then the full panel's five, I'm just guessing, I'm just pulling numbers out here. I would think that uh, they're already behind the eight ball. Right. Um, You know, maybe the judges will change their mind after having a chance to think about it, but it doesn't seem likely. They've had all the time they need to think about it now. And they, that's true. I mean, uh, these just look like, this just looks like a terrible decision to me. It's not that it didn't go my way, um, and it didn't. But I just, I guess I just don't understand. I would love to sit in there and interview these people that made oh, this decision. they don't decision. do interviews. Right. Of course they don't. Um, you know, they don't answer questions right. about decisions they've made. They've justified their decision. They wrote it down on a piece of paper and yep. they go home and enjoy a glass of wine or smoke their own joint at nighttime. Yep. So the full panel, I believe, would be 11 judges. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That's big. That could change it, right? Like, that could... Anything could be possible if you bring more people involved in this. But again, don't get your hopes up. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll talk to Lynn about this. I didn't even consider reaching out to her today. I'm sure she's I having want a to tough that. day yeah, I want to talk to Lynn uh, right today. Now. Lynn is, is Ross's mother. We'll see her in three weeks. Uh, will she be at Somalia Fest? I know she's going to be at Port. Okay, I'll at, at least <laughs> I will see her in three weeks. All right, that's cool. Right on. Um Lynn, of course, uh, has been standing by her son here as much as she can, given that he's in a prison cell. But she, uh, they, I think they sold their house in Austin, Texas, and moved physically to New York State, where he's being held in prison, just so they can be closer to him and go well, and visit him. At weekly. this point, he will not uh, likely be remaining where he is. Oh, they're going to move him geographically around. because um, he was left in basically what amounts to a county jail for really? the purpose. Yeah, I mean, okay. Rikers Prison or something, something in in New York's uh, state city, basically. And he, um, you know, he's now going to be moved off into the federal system. I thought he was in a federal detention center in Manhattan. I think he's under federal jurisdiction in a um, some kind of detention facility. But she had said that there was special dispensation for him because of his uh, appeal. Hmm. So for that he's, he's staying in the same the place he MCC, was. MCC, which is the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York, which is I a see. federally administered prison in Manhattan. But it is a um, it's yeah it's for people going to trial. It doesn't you notice it doesn't have the word the the letter P in it. It is a pri- not a prison um, in the hard sense. It's a, a federal b- facility. Mm-hmm. I, I I truly believe that Russ Albrecht will be moved in the next two months. Would yeah. not surprise me. We definitely saw that happen with Mark Emery, the Prince of Pot, who they put in prison for five years and shipped him, you know, here well, and there. Mark Emery um, went around and, like, he created sort of trouble, uh, you know, while he was in jail. He wrote blog posts and did those sorts of things. Ross Ulbricht, um, he, uh, he's... That doesn't mean anything. Kept a they low wanted profile. To keep, they wanted to keep Mark away from his wife, so they moved him halfway across the United States. They wanted to punish States. him for his activities while his, you know, sort of continuing to be a jerk while in prison kind of thing. What do they call that? Diesel therapy? Um, uh, is, I think is what they, the terminology they used I don't for remember any claims that he was being a jerk while in prison. I, Didn't it's he my write understanding blog posts? He was, uh, you know, being a very good prisoner. While he was in there, I don't mean like shanking people in the shower or anything like that. I mean writing things. 
like using your freedom of speech while in jail is dangerous because the mm-hmm. Department of the Bureau of Prisons doesn't like it. Right. And, you know, he could have found out that there were, what was it, 500,000 gallons of Baskin Robbins ice cream that was being served to the guards instead of the inmates, as was supposed to be done. That yes. was uh, Seagaville Prison, and that's still going on, and uh, that is a corruption <laughs> scandal that one of our listeners has stumbled upon, who is living in that particular facility. Uh, we was. Got, and we got 500 pages punished, of evidence about wasn't it. Wasn't he punished for filing that for you? Regularly. Request? They banned him from calling our show. Regularly they yeah. go after these guys. For If you attempt to point out the to the Bureau of Prisons something they're doing wrong, or the, the federal government generally, they're going right. to come after you. Yep, that's true. Right. Look at Chelsea Manning. She showed things that the federal government was doing wrong and was rewarded with a 35-year prison term. Yeah, well, she got out. Um, Russ Albrecht didn't have the uh, sort of the the amount of support. I think is really what uh, what got Chelsea out. Well, well okay. I see what generally, you're saying. also when things are still working their way through the court system, there's not going to be clemency or mm. pardons. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. And also, I don't know, is it so much about support, Mark, as it is about the alleged crimes that were committed? Uh, I mean, a little bit about because to Obama's credit, and, you know, again, I, I realize that this is not saying a lot because he oversaw a bunch of people being placed into prison, mm-hmm. but he did wind up pardoning in the last several months. He did wind up pardoning, a I believe, over a thousand people, most of them nonviolent drug offenders. That's true. Right. And But what Obama, Obama played the line, right? Like, um, you know, throughout eight years, he played president, and then at the end, he played liberal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he gets, to, he gets to have his cake and eat it too in this circumstance because you know, you can say the Obama administration um, incarcerated Chelsea Clinton for pointing out the atrocities of uh, Chelsea you know, Manning. Well, Chelsea Clinton never went to I'm prison. Sorry, Chelsea Manning. Thank you so much. <laughs> Not yet. Um, for you know, private Manning for the uh, you know the atrocities that were committed in the Iraq War or blah blah blah. You can make this statement, but then it's mitigated by the fact. Well, but Obama let her out. Right. Did not pardon. Just commuted. Yeah. Whatever. So, I mean, you know, that's a to me, that's playing the play on both sides and yeah. playing them well. And no one ever claimed that uh, Obama was a bad politician. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Scott in Massachusetts, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. How are you? What's on your mind? Uh, I'd like to talk about white rights for white Christians in America. For too long, white Christians in America have been officially officially marginalized by huh? unfair affirmative. What, re- what rights don't they have? Discrimination laws meant to protect blacks who required special laws because they did not have the IQs that were equal to whites. Oh, God. For example, Barack what? Obama got into Harvard Law School as a result of affirmative action and reverse discrimination laws. But without these special laws, Obama would have most certainly been rejected. How do we well, know that? So no I have, gentle, I've never gentlemen. seen I've never seen documentation of that. Um, I can I can say that certainly Barack Obama did not claim to be anything but black when uh, you know applying, and certainly they do have uh, rules for uh, you know that, that say like we'd like to have this many blacks, this many whites, this many Jews, this many whatever. Like they you know they they make decisions based on ethnicity. I wish they didn't, but they do. Um, what evidence do you have that he wouldn't have made it in? 
win had everything been equal. Beyond, uh, we'll find out here in a moment here with uh, Scott in Massachusetts. He is Scott the Bigot. We will continue, and uh, you are welcome to join us here. 855-450, free like freedom. This is Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com is the most unique online destination in the Bitcoin universe. Buying Bitcoin? Do it here! Want to speak your mind to other Bitcoin users? Our forum is always open and censorship-free at forum.bitcoin.com. There's no bigger Bitcoin believers than the Bitcoin.com team. That's why this site is a one-stop shop for everything you need to get into Bitcoin life. You can also play games at games.bitcoin.com. Learn more at bitcoin.com. That's bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free and you can bring up anything that you want. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. If you've got Bitcoin, we want you to check out the official wallet of Free Talk Live. Or maybe you've got some other cryptocurrencies like Ether or Dash and several more. You can go to Jax.io to learn more about Jax. It's J-A-X-X.io or grab it from the Google or Apple App Store. It's not quite like most of the wallets you've seen out there. This one holds multiple cryptocurrencies and it has shapeshift integration, which means that you can easily change between your currencies. Meaning if you have Bitcoin, but you want to turn some of that into Ether or Dash or whatever, or vice versa, you can do that uh, with with Jax. Go to Jax.io. It was created by Anthony DiOrio, who is one of the founders of Ethereum. It's easy to back up your wallet and recover your funds with Jax, and Jax is striving to give you command over your digital life. Coins, contracts, currencies, identity, and more at your digital command center in the palm of your hand. It's Jax, the official wallet of Free Talk Live at jaxx.io. As we continue here, Scott in Massachusetts, he is Scott the Bigot. And Mark, you had thrown a question out uh, at Scott a moment ago. Do you happen to recall what that was? Because I didn't take any notes. Um, no. <laughs> uh, it, it was about uh, Obama going oh. to college and what proof, if any, does Scott the Bigot have that Obama would not have been accepted if he weren't black, if he were not at least part black? Scott, that was as, a question for as you. As a whole, across the board, blacks do not have the same mental aptitude as whites. They don't and score as well being, on IQ tests. Um, and, that's right. You know, they don't. Didn't, that's a fact. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything when it comes down to the individual. Correct. Because, because the, the way you know averages work, it means some people are above average and some people are below average. But it also doesn't mean that the IQ... Okay, so IQ tests are written uh, basically by white people for white students and that sort of thing, so it's difficult to know. I mean, when you take somebody, um, you toss them into the worst school in a given uh, geographic area, and you say, perform at the level of the kids in the better school, and then you say, look, you're just a bunch of dum-dums, all of you. I mean, this is all sort of rigged and set up from the first place. We cannot say... At this point, conclusively, if people who are black are born dumber than people who are born white because they come through a uh, an education system which funds schools that are majority black less than it funds schools that are majority white. Now, it's not that I agree or disagree with I, – I do disagree with that – but I think that the public school system's rigged from the get-go. The best way Let to – Let me put it another way, gentlemen. If you look at the history of the world – 
what have blacks contributed to humanity? When I mean that, I'm referring to mathematics, literature, music. Let's look at Why the don't German you go and look it up? I mean, there's an entire internet out there full of you know yeah. people who are black who have achieved all kinds of different successes in life. And, you know, we're not going to go and do your research for you. It's not like you no. really want to hear an answer to that question. He you doesn't want to hear right. an answer. You don't want to have your you don't want to have your beliefs rebutted because they're not based on anything sound. They're oh, based yes, on they hatred. Are. They're based on no. ignorance. No. Could I finish reading this? It won't take long. Blacks are no longer considered minorities in America. On the contrary, whites are who have been forced to take a back seat oh, to blacks please. because blacks where is this coming from over their heads for decades where is this coming from probably something that he wrote down them. just before he called in where scott where are you getting this from this that you're reading what is it guilt trip of their past treatment of blacks where are he's not he's not having a conversation getting your information yeah, he's not he's not listening at this point uh we're gonna give him one more chance here you still reading scott yeah, just, Where just are you reading this and, from? And, and, what is your source? Christians All right. We're not going to answer. Nearly, we're going to let you go. Thank you for the call. Toll free number here, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that's going to be used as evidence that white Christians are being oppressed. You're, you're, you're only on thanking him. him out of courtesy, not because you're actually thankful that a bigot <laughs> would call into the show and say weird, bigoted things. I don't think that, uh, if, if I recall, Scott, from years and years ago, he's not particularly Christian. He's just of the opinion that sort of culturally Christians are was. better. No, I don't no? think so. Well, we can't ask him now, Mark. I'm sure he'll call back at another time, and you can ask him all about his Christian beliefs or lack thereof. I don't care. At that time. So, toll-free number tonight, 855-450-FREE, like freedom. Look, you know, the, the fact is uh, that people are individuals, and I, you know, all this talk about groups, it is really, you know, it doesn't fly on this show because you can show a study that claims that, you know, Blacks don't have the same average IQ as whites. Um, maybe that's a legitimate study. I don't know. But taking that at face value, to me, it's irrelevant. Uh, it's irrelevant whether that's true or not, because and, what matters is the individual and what that person believes and what that person's successes and challenges It's are. also a difficult position to hold um, and be bigoted against Jews at the same time. So Ashkenazi Jews tend to show up significantly higher On than IQ any tests? other ethnic group, including Asians, when it comes to IQ tests. If you're going to use this as a yardstick, mm-hmm. by God, use it as a yardstick. Then, yeah. um, you know, then Scott calls in and complains about the Jews controlling the world. Well, wait a second. What was the problem? It wasn't a it wasn't a big deal that whites were in charge of blacks when whites had a, you know, marginally a, cu- a few points more than uh, than than blacks did on IQ tests hmm. taken um, for, by tests written by whites uh, blacks that went through white schools and you like uh, black schools you know, the whole the whole reasons why this uh, this isn't entirely fair but when you uh, stack them up against Jews whites you know fall by you know many many points see um, that's probably why he thinks the Jews control the world is because they're on average smarter than the white people herp yeah, herp. yeah well you know ask ask any person with a high IQ that high IQs don't make uh, don't mean success happiness or a whole variety of uh, of measurements that there of a good are actually life. studies and I forget what podcast I was listening to recently where they were talking about IQ and there's a certain point and I think it's somewhere around the 120 mark that it doesn't really matter 
how much higher over that you are, your success level is going to be about, about the same. same. Hmm. Let's continue with your calls. We've got Don. He's in San Angelo, Texas, listening via podcast. Hello, Don. Hello, this is Don. And yes, uh, I had a little story to share about my fifth grader. Okay. Uh, we were, he got his, uh, his, uh, Report card? Uh, money, money for the week, and it went to Allow the it. store to, get, to spend it. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, man. Okay. And uh, he was walking along, and he said, Dad, can you pay the tax for me? And he's done this several times. And mm-hmm. I thought, it you know, makes it easier for him, and he doesn't like spending his own money. But I thought I'd actually ask him, why don't you want to pay the tax? Is it just because you don't want to pay the man? And he thought for about half a minute, and he looked at me, and he said, some of this money from taxes goes for war, hmm. and we should have smarter ways of solving problems than that. Wow, he's in fifth grade. I'm, I agree with him completely, but having you pay the tax doesn't uh, stop the war from happening. <laughs> I but uh, I thought that was. Hey, enough, he's just but... trying to keep the blood off of his hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> Your yeah. dad, you take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Would make more sense for him to say, "Well, the price says two ninety nine, not two ninety nine plus all this other stuff." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's one of the wonderful things about New Hampshire, where we live and where this show originates from, is. When you go into you know Walmart or Target or whatnot, unless you're buying prepared meals, there is no tax. That's true. So, Don, uh, was there more to your conversation you wanted to share, or was that it? No, just that, that uh, sometimes even the smallest can be pretty smart. From the mouths of babes, the as they say. Thank you for the call tonight, Don. I appreciate the story. Our toll-free number here. If you want to join us, 855-450-FREE, like Freedom, 855-450-3733. Coming up, Daryl, you've got an update on the terrible judge, Ms. Catherine Forrest. Yes. Who was Penguin the, raper. The very same judge, allegedly. Uh, the very same judge who sat on Ross Ulbricht's trial. Yes. So that that district court judge, federal court judge, you've got news about her on the way. It has to do with cigarettes. And sending a message. Another message. Yep, this is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We invite you to join us here toll free at 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. And join us online anytime you want. Just head on over to freetalklive.com with you in studio tonight. It's me, Ian. And Daryl. And Mark. And uh, we're going to go to your calls and thoughts. Also, I do want to let you know about saveitpurse.com. You go there, you want to save big time on your purchases at Amazon. Save It Purse lets you do it. Easily save 20% or maybe even more on the stuff that you need to buy. Saveatpurse.com. I uh, sometimes will try for a higher percentage discount if I'm not in a hurry to get anything. Uh, so, you know, if you need something quickly, they do have Purse Instant, which gives you 5% off that and also gives you uh, Amazon Prime on the shipping. So you get it fast. And so it's just an amazing deal. The thing is, you have to have cryptocurrency. You have to have Bitcoin, for instance, or one of the other pop- more popular cryptos in order to utilize Purse. Uh, otherwise, sorry, you need to get some Bitcoin. Savepurse.com, saveatpurse.com. I recently had tried to get more than like, tw- I think I was shooting for like 29% or something 
on uh, some bubble mailers and uh, just couldn't quite get it. So I, I gave it a, like a week or two and I wasn't able to get the, the discount that I was looking for. So I dropped it down to 24% and sold. Oof. Yeah. So uh, I'm tr- buying the bubble mailer so I can mail out the Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree DVDs when the orders come in. They're not coming in fast, but uh, we, you know, we did get our first order for a autographed copy of Derek nice. J's Victimless Crime Spree, which, by the way, is the is right now only available through SaveItPurse.com. And if you want to get access to that, go to VictimlessCrimesPree.com. Uh, go to DVD.VictimlessCrimesPree.com and you'll find the link there to the autographed version. There's the regular version that doesn't have autographs for 10 bucks, basically. And then there's the uh, other version that has autographs on it from me and Derek J. Freeman. And that's uh, approximately $20 worth of Bitcoin. Plus a couple bucks for shipping. So, uh, so if you want to get your copy of that, you can do that. And thanks to Roger Paxton for being the the first buyer of that uh, that DVD set. So nice. It. I wonder if he's going to do an official review on his podcast, The Lava Flow. That would be amazing. I would love that. Um, there hasn't been a you know a review of Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree in quite a long time. It's a movie that's been out for almost five years now. It'll be five years this September. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be commemorating that when that time comes around. But it sort of plateaued for a long time as far as its views on YouTube. It's been at like 176,000 for probably a year. Um, so it's been very, very slow growth. It's one of those things where you never know what's going to happen. I mean, somebody could all of a sudden post that to Reddit and then it could blow up and get, you know, another yep. 100,000 views in a week. Um, so you never know when that's going to happen. But as of the last couple of years, it's been been pretty slow growth there on uh, Victimless Crime Spree, which is, again, you can watch it for free anytime you want at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. But you don't get the commentary when you watch it for free nope, online. That's true. That is one of the exclusives to the DVD version of it, which, again, is available at DVD.VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Let's go. To Greg, he is on the line on Skype. Hello, Greg. Where are you calling from tonight? Greg. Greg on Skype. Going once. Greg on Skype. Going twice. Sometimes people are on Skype, but they they don't realize they've accidentally hit the mute button. Sometimes it's our sound card that has the issue, but we haven't really had that problem in quite a long time. So it's it's almost never uh, our side. So we'll see if we can figure out what's going on with Greg's, Greg's connection here. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls any old time you want. Our toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE, like freedom. So let's talk about Judge Catherine Forrest, the very same corrupt, terrible judge who sent Ross Ulbricht to prison for the rest of his life and another life sentence or so beyond that. What's the latest with old Judge Forrest? Well, the latest is from about a week ago. New York Times has the story where she ruled that UPS, that's the shipping company, UPS, Mm -hmm. must pay $247 million in damages and penalties to New York City and New York State for illegally shipping cigarettes. Seriously? Yes. Seriously, how the hell is $247 million? That's crazy. How is somebody supposed to, obviously, I don't know any of the details of the case. I'm sure you'll give give us some of that here in a moment. But how how is someone who's the shipper supposed to be responsible for the tax stamps on the cigarettes? So, and I've read these stories about this uh, a few days ago. And there was an agreement that UPS had signed with both the city and the state Mm -hmm. that they would not ship cigarettes to 
any unlicensed retailer to private residences or somewhere else. So they they signed an agreement and UPS says what we shipped because UPS, they've got to ask people, are you shipping this, that, the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And they said that what they were shipping were actually miniature cigars, not cigarettes. And so, therefore, they were not in violation of the agreement. But Forrest said, yes, you were. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And according to New York Times, a, quote, very significant award, end quote, was necessary because of the public health hazard posed by cigarettes (laughs) and as a deterrent to future bad conduct. So here we go. With that, somebody in the future might do something bad again. Now, this is interesting because it reminds me of a story that we talked about, I don't know, a couple few years ago, where New York City, or New York State, I forget which one, maybe it was the city, because they mentioned the city here in this story, that they put that big old tax, of course, on, on cigarettes. And I remember there was like a headline that we reported on where the city had like the cigarette interdiction squad and they were going Sounds right yeah they were going after people not only you know by choking them to death on the streets for s- selling yep. lucy's uh but also they were going after people that they had records had purchased cigarettes online and were trying to extract tax payments from them for that i believe they were also going after people that had gone to one of the indian reservations in new york purchased cigarettes from there and then brought them into the city to wind up smoking that's also illegal even though they legally bought it in an indian reservation in this there they smoke it on the indian reservation ian there are a lot Is that of what you're supposed to do. You can't just run around smoking cigarettes in our town that you that you haven't paid for. There, there are a lot of cities and states that have something called a use tax, mm. where if you buy something in one jurisdiction and did not pay a sales tax on it, and you use it in their jurisdiction, you are liable for that tax. So online sales, and this is something that a lot of people aren't even aware of, and it applies to uh, catalog sales as well, but how many of those are there anymore? When you buy something from a different jurisdiction, the jurisdiction you're buying from can't tax it because it's going across state lines, Mm -hmm. but the recipient of the item is supposed to pay a use tax in a lot of jurisdictions. I have to wonder what it was that you know UPS signed an agreement with uh, the state and the and the city, New York City in this case. Was there some sort of uh, consideration given to UPS for this? Was it just you know the fact that uh, they won't be harassed by the government or something well, like that? They what was had it that- I, I believe, and I, I'm fairly certain the article does get into yeah. it a little more in detail, but I believe they had been charged with illegally shipping cigarettes previously and as a courtesy of we'll drop the charges if you agree to never do this again i see i believe was uh you know the reason that agreement came about let's continue with the article We'll do that in a moment here let's go first though to mark he's in manchester new hampshire and listening online at lrn.fm go ahead mark Hello? I heard you talk about Jax.io, so I yeah. went online and downloaded it to my phone. All right. Well, you'll have to bear with me because I'm over 50 years old. So 
what do I do now? I'd like to get some Dash coin, and I have a wallet on my phone, so where do I get some Dash? You'd have to ask around, uh, and this sounds like, uh, can we say who you are, because I can identify your voice. Sure, go ahead. This, this is, is Mark, Mark Warden. Mark Warden, who is the uh, Porcupine Real Estate agent and uh, At long-time listener. PorcupineRealEstate.com. That's right. A long-time listener and supporter of uh, Free Talk Live. And Mark, you are, li- you are living in nearby to one of the largest concentrations of cryptocurrency activists in the world. Manchester, New Hampshire probably has a very large you know, number of those folks. I've seen pictures of them attending Bitcoin meetups and things like that. And uh, I would say putting it out there to the community is a good way to acquire some Dash, uh, just kind of person to person. Uh, sort of the, That was the old way you did it with Bitcoin back in the day if right. you didn't want to sign up for an exchange. Most exchanges don't have these alternative currencies on them. Some of them are starting to get them, like the Kraken Exchange, I believe, has Dash, uh, if I'm recalling correctly. But uh, And, of course, you can also use the Jax app to shapeshift from one to another. So if you already have some Bitcoin, you can just change that into uh, to Dash. But more coming up here. If you want to stick with us, you can. Mark, this is Free Talk Live, Hour 3, on the way. A funny thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Modern advertisers have been trained to look for trackability in their advertising, and web search ads are great for that. They also help you get the consumer that's looking for products like yours in the moment. But they're expensive, and they do nothing to convince people to try your product segment in the first place. They help you get a bigger piece of the pie, but branding mediums like radio grow the pie itself. Free Talk Live's on more than 150 stations, and we can help advertisers with little budgets and big ones. Send me an email, mark at freetalklive.com. It's mark at freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free here. The number is 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. We've got Skype, so Skype on in here. Username LRN.FM with you in the studio tonight. You've got Ian. And Daryl. And Mark. And uh, we're going to your phone calls and thoughts. But coming up, the latest on the terrible judge... The judge from the Ross Ulbricht trial, which we spent a lot of time in the first hour talking about his uh, sadly failed appeal at the appeals court. But the initial judge, who was a little tyrant in uh, in his courtroom that threatened the jury, uh, that threatened to sequester the jury if people like our friend Derek J. Freeman continued to stand outside holding uh, jury nullification information. Now, of course, you would not tell the jury why they were being sequestered. Correct. So it would be left to their imaginations where they would think, wait a second, juries only get sequestered if they're in danger. Danger, This guy's being charged as a kingpin. That means that maybe he wants us dead. Yep, they certainly could have extrapolated that from, uh, from that situation. And so as a result... The supporters of Ross Ulbricht did decide to leave when uh, talked to by Ross's mother. Yes. Um, ultimately, they're leaving the area. They're they're you know non no longer protesting and no longer participating. Did not do anything to help Ross's sentence, which was the fear. You know that was the fear that was built up. And I understand. You know I don't I don't I'm not upset or blaming you know, his mom Lynn for right. being afraid. It's a scary situation. The government's good at being intimidating. But they basically, you know, intimidated them and said, hey, look, if you don't go along with this, if you don't enforce this judge's will on your friends outside who are trying to help 
do what they can to help inform this jury about jury nullification. You're right as a juror to vote your conscience in a case. The uh, you know if you don't help him, we're going to punish the jury, and then that's going to mean that uh, he's more likely to get sentenced guilty, and we're more likely to throw the book at him. Basically, it was the idea that the idea was let's appease this judge in the hopes that she goes easy on Ross. Yes, and that did not help. Appeasing this judge did not in any way assist with Ross's sentencing. She threw the book and then a few more books yeah. uh, at him in this sentence. It basically couldn't have been worse than right. what it was. And now the appeals court has decided to uphold this terrible sentence. Judge Catherine Forrest, we're going to talk more about her in a moment. Let's go to Ricky. He's in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Brother Ian. Brother Mark, Brother Daryl, that would be the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We knew you would say that. Go ahead, Ricky. It also doesn't make it any is, difference. It is. It is. You can look it up. We don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> I know Massachusetts you is also a Commonwealth, as is Virginia and Kentucky. And they're all tyrants. Ah, uh, but not quite like here. But that's another story. Yep, for Pennsylvania's day. tyrannical in a different way. <laughs> they're still taxing people to pay for the Johnstown flood of 1889. Believe me, I'm aggravated as all hell. And that's what brings me to tonight. All right. I wish Trump would stay the hell out of PA. You guys notice that he pays a hell of a lot of attention to Pennsylvania? Nope. I don't pay any attention to Trump. So, I mean, every now and then I hear about Confivi or whatever, but that's about it. Yeah, I'd like to break his damn Twitter finger. Actually, a lot of people probably would right now. Actually, I think he, that's one of the most entertaining parts about Trump is the fact that he just kind of tweets whatever he wants. That's That's actually one of the things that I like about him. Yeah. I don't like a whole lot like about Trump. But, huh? So you like jackasses? Yeah, so, you know, jackasses can be fun. Yeah, Johnny well, Knoxville, no Steve-O. Stay the hell out of PA, and I'll tell you why, too. Because the reality, yeah, yeah, one of the things you got to watch with him is he hits certain, he only hits conservative districts. That's a very small portion of PA as a whole. You know, I've made myself very clear the way my political stances are. My biggest problem with him is he spends a lot of time here. He spends more time. He was here again recently, like in the past, you know, before this uh, this overseas trip. I'll tell you why. You know why he spends so much time here? Why? Well, because uh, Pennsylvania is what I call the back door into the country. See, that's what's wrong with the whole secessionist movement. I bet Pennsylvania wishes you'd stop that. That didn't answer my question or your your question. You 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 were going to explain to us why he spends so much time there. What what is it being the back door to the country have anything to do with anything? Well, uh, if you look throughout the decades, Pennsylvania is very important, and you got fifty of these territories called state, and it's so damn important. Why? We don't have steel. We don't have anything anymore. I mean, most it's of the stuff is not important to me. Gone. I haven't been there since I was ten years old. There's still steel plants in Pennsylvania. Isn't the Pittsburgh team called the Steelers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's very little left. Believe me, I've been in, in okay. and out of best so steel many times. Let's let's take your claim at face value, even though I don't necessarily believe it. Pennsylvania is super important. So again, why well, does it is Trump... called the Keystone State? The Keystone's <laughs> the thing that keeps the arch from falling apart and what? So something, that, something actually back. Actually, it is. It is. It goes back. Okay, it goes back to its role in the Civil but War. But what's that have to do with Trump? Come on, don't distract yourself from answering your own question, please. The reason, okay, the reason why is because there's a lot of power in Pennsylvania. Because Pennsylvania has how would that be the case for the president? Okay, He's already got Virginia. enough power. 
How how is What's going physically Virginia and in Pennsylvania? How... You mentioned about a Commonwealth, right? Huh? Here's a difference. In Pennsylvania, you have the non-interference by the state. I see it every huh? day of my life. Huh? What are you, you talking just... about? Non-interference? Okay, what are okay the... as an example, a state cop in Pennsylvania cannot negotiate with people of the Commonwealth. A Commonwealth cop can, say, a Philly cop, or you go Negotiate East how? Cop, in any fashion. They take you and to court, and he's saying the state trooper can't make you a plea deal, but the Philadelphia beat cop can. I don't believe it. Well, Nor do no, I. What it so what? It's a bunch of crap. And what it's, does that have to do with Donald Trump visiting Pennsylvania? Because this is one of the – Pennsylvania <laughs> has a non-interference with the state. The state can only interfere so much. They can take the people's money, and they can only do so much, but they cannot – directly interfere with the people of the commonwealth when you taking their money is interfering with them that's about the weird little man that's about the maximum level of interference besides you know them actually molesting you uh would you know what you would expect from the state your your state is just the same or commonwealth or whatever the hell you want to call it your group of strangers who are enforcing their beliefs on others at the threat of violence whoever whatever it is they call themselves is about the same as every other state yeah. And you've, I know you've not, not persuaded anyone, people. Ricky. You've well, persuaded no one, to your point, whatever that is. Thank you for the call. There was tonight. a point? No. Some some sort of thing about Donald Trump spending a lot of time in uh, Pennsylvania because it's so important. He just has this narrative about uh, Pennsylvania being the most important state and best state and so on and so forth. Commonwealth that somehow is not subject to the United States Constitution because he's thrown that out before. No, we're a commonwealth and Article 25 says that (laughs) we're not subject to the U.S. Constitution. And I read Article 25 and it says nothing of the sort. Yeah, the... the, the, um, you know, regardless of all that, they are subject to the rankings of freedom in the 50 states by the Cato Institute. And uh, Pennsylvania, never having touched above the uh, above 20, um, so it has never reached the top two quintiles of states. Mm. It has been average in the third quintile all along. Pennsylvania is an average state in the United States for freedom. There's nothing special or remarkable. Some imagined status as a commonwealth that uh, Ricky might have. It's where Ricky lives, so it's special. Right. I mean, you know, Ricky... Ricky, stay there, please. But um, yeah, you know, please. it is not want... a special place uh, as far as freedom goes. Yeah. Well, um, fr- Ricky's not a freedom seeker. He's... No, well, he he acts like one. He talks in, to some extent like like one, but then he's not like, really. and I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, what he doesn't really make any sense, though, is a madman. Yeah. Ricky. Ricky doesn't make any uh, any coherent sense whatsoever. The words coming out of his mouth appear to be sentences, uh, (laughs) but the meaning behind them is very, very shallow. If there's anything whatsoever that you can discern from uh, what he's saying. So you can join us here, but really, you can call about anything, and Ricky's proof. 855-450-FREE is our toll-free number. 855-450-3733. We'll be talking about this Catherine Forrest, this terrible, terrifying harridan of a judge in uh, the uh, Manhattan District. Yes. Alleged penguin raper. That's what I've heard. There's rumors going around about that. 855-450-FREE. Like freedom, you can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything you want. This is Free Talk Live. We're back. 
We are back. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial on in toll-free here. Our number is 855-450-FREE, like Freedom, 855-450-3733. Coming up, the latest on Catherine Forrest, the judge in the Silk Road case. Well, she's not just she's not going to stop doing her damage to Silk Road. She's going to be doing damage all over the place because that's what judges do. They rule in favor of the state and against freedoms. And in this case, she's attacking UPS. The uh, oops, sorry, Daryl, I screwed that one up here. Let me and your I am convinced that this woman is trying to get a promotion. Well, most of these judges, lower judges, would love to get promoted, right? That's why they do what they do. They're trying to impress their masters and the uh, the state or federal governments. It would not surprise me if in one of the next two or three Supreme Court openings, her name is not tossed around as a possible replacement. Do you want to help build a better financial system for everyone? Join Dash. Dash is digital cash, a digital money platform designed to replace cash and help people manage their own wealth. It's fast, private, and easy. Fees are low and transactions are fast and can even be confirmed instantly. You can pay anyone, anywhere in the world, anytime for just pennies on the dollar. Dash is decentralized and run by users who earn rewards for helping run the network and make governance decisions. Anyone can invest in Dash and earn rewards for helping run the Dash network. Join Dash and help create a better financial system for everyone. Take back control over your financial future today. Find out more at Dash.org. There's a lot of momentum behind Dash right now. Go to Dash.org and find out why. As we go back to, actually, we'll get to your calls if you make them. You can bring up anything that you want. Uh, but let's go back to the story about Catherine Forrest, the judge who has now ruled that uh, UPS has to pay, was it $247 million? Yes. To the state of New York and the city of New York. Right. So the combined total to the state and the city is $247 million. Because they shipped some little cigars. Yes. And we'll get into the details. Uh, in her opinion, Judge Forrest wrote that the penalty needed to be substantial enough to send a message to UPS executives. These are our children. I mean, there's no price that is too high for them. We Quote, have to keep them safe. And the previous sentence here says that uh, was also to serve as a deterrent to future bad conduct. Mm. Uh, not necessarily bad conduct by UPS, just bad conduct, I guess, by anybody. Right, she's sending yep. a message, as she is wont to do. Yeah, she, she, wants, wrote, she wants UPS to enforce the tax laws of given municipalities, thus turning them into involuntary servants. This is uh, the 13th Amendment is very clear that people in the United States should not be subject to involuntary servitude. But the government over and over again, think about your tax returns for a second because they don't do themselves. You do accounting work for the Internal Revenue Service every single year or you pay someone to do it. Um, and... I, you know, it's it, it it's it's just insane how these judges can wrap their heads around this crap. Quote: The court is convinced that model modest penalties would not make a sufficient corporate impact on UPS as a whole. In March, Judge Forrest found UPS liable for illegally shipping hundreds of thousands of cartons of untaxed cigarettes among Indian reservations, unlicensed dealers, and individual consumers. Those shipments, the state claims, cost the state and the city millions in tax dollars and violated a 2005 agreement between the state and UPS not to ship cigarettes to unlicensed recipients. Mm. 
Judge Forrest chided UPS for having a corporate culture that promoted sales over compliance. <laughs> uh, the government should be the highest priority is what her opinion is. Of course is. it is. Yes, this woman is a statist, an yeah. arch statist. Oh, yes. A woman willing to lie in order to... Uh, fit into her paradigm you are only in business because we allow you to be ups right. you will do as we say or we will punish you. your shipping business you didn't build that when handing down this huge penalty she again criticized ups's culture saying that company officials had shown a quote lack of acceptance of responsibility for their actions at issue in the case ups said that it was extremely disappointed in the ruling Susan Rosenberg, director of public relations at UPS, said the court's monetary award is excessive and far out of the bounds of constitutional limits, Hmm. particularly given that the shipments at issue generated around $1 million in revenue. Wow. Not it was $1 million of tax that should have been paid. No, no, no. It was $1 million of revenue to UPS. Which isn't even profit. That's just their revenue. The ruling in the 2015 lawsuit. We made a hundred thousand bucks off of this, and now they have to pay, you know, two hundred and forty, whatever. I don't know what their their one hundred sixty-five point eight million dollars to New York State, eighty-one point two million dollars to New York City. Pretty soon, people are going to stop doing business in that state. Yes, I mean it has gone from the third most populous state to the fourth most populous state in relatively recent history. There's still a lot of business getting done in New York City. It sure is, but it's just a terrible place to do it. We're about to go there tomorrow. I know. Yeah, I understand, and we're going to pay some amount of money to be there. Yes, taxes we are. And pay through the nose. The hotel room is going to be over $300, including taxes, just for one night. Yep. How high is the uh, occupancy tax? Oh, I think it was uh, like 50 bucks. Yeah, 40, 50 bucks, something like that. So, um, anyway, it's just disgusting because you know what's going to happen here is UPS, they're going to have to pass on the cost to their consumers. So, all this woman did was she just increased the cost of shipping, which is already very expensive because of the cost of gas and, you know, inflation and all that. She just jacked up the rates. Maybe they're only going to make the New York customers pay this, but I suspect it's going to be spread across the United States. So everybody who's shipping with UPS is now going to have to absorb these costs. It may only be a penny or two or whatever across the whole country, but they're going to increase prices. That's how this stuff gets dealt with. It's not like the UPS... Uh, executives are going to turn out their pockets and you know shake some spare change on the floor to to pay this fine. No, it's coming out of the the uh, the company. It's coming out of the customers. Yeah, well, it yeah. comes out of the rates. I mean, that's that's a choice you make when you choose to use UPS. I mean, there's, I, I mean, isn't that the same thing you say about taxpayers? Uh, I mean, this is UPS isn't too big to fail. I, I don't think that that's I don't think what you're you're making there is a particularly good argument. Um, I mean, corporations have to make profits, but I mean, you know, if if UPS had actually done something wrong, you wouldn't be arguing against a fine for them because uh, you know the I'm against fines in general because what needs to happen is if UPS did something wrong, like damaged a customer or something like that, or broke a you know a package that they were shipping. And they have to make compensation to the uh, the individual that they wronged or the company that they wronged. Fines don't ever make anyone whole. Fines just enrich the government and encourage them to continue their terrible behavior. 
People should not pay fines. Eric Schneiderman, the state attorney general in New York, says the $166 million coming to our state marks a win for New Yorkers (laughs) and our public health. How the hell (laughs) is this fine going to do anything to improve public health? It's absurd. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. Do we have some more brilliant quotes from these no. bureaucrats? Okay. 855-450-3733. Speaking of tax burdens, you talked about people leaving New York. How about people leaving the United States entirely? Well, we've got a look at some of those numbers coming up here on Free Talk Live with Ian, Daryl, and Mark. This is Riley Blake, producer of the Free Talk Live Daily Digest. In addition to the Digest, I host my own weekly podcast called Anarcho Agenda, providing you liberty-oriented content without all the statism. Subscribe to Anarcho Agenda on iTunes, Google Play, or visit anarchoagenda.libsyn.com. That's A-N-A-R-C-H-O agenda.libsyn.com for further details. This is Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free. Join us here. Our number, 855-450-FREE. Like Freedom, 855-450-3733. More people deciding to call it quits on the United States. And this is not, this is not new news. I mean, it's a new story. It was published 10 hours ago over at CNBC. But during the Barack Obama administration, people were leaving uh, in droves. And they increased the exit fee Double dramatically. It. Yeah. Um, and then uh, now they're they're still leaving. Uh, we'll tell you more about that coming up here. It's Ian with you tonight. And Daryl. And Mark. Also, I do want to remind you that uh, if you want to help support Free Talk Live and get the stuff you want or need from Amazon, you just go to shop.freetalklive.com. There's some other links to other stores there like Walmart and uh, and some other stuff over at shop.freetalklive.com. But most people go through those uh, those Amazon links. There's Amazon US, UK, and Canada. You just click into the right Amazon for you and then get the stuff that you're looking for and feel good because Free Talk Live gets a, a good cut of each sale when you do that. So head on over to shop.freetalklive.com. More coming up here. Uh, your calls and thoughts welcome. Let's start up with Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sarah. Yes, um, yes, I was uh, uh, reading the local alibi paper um, here, and uh, it was uh, reported that our pedestrian fatality nationally went up by 11%. So 6,000 pedestrians were killed in America. Hmm. But they say that the whole deal is that the cause is unknown. Probably. Wait, 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 wait. Cause is unknown? Cars. People getting run over by cars is probably the number one right. uh, cause of traffic or pedestrian fatalities. Well, the thing is, okay, eleven percent. What does that mean? Okay, out of a say, thousand people were killed a year before, so hundred and eleven more people got killed. That's what it means, basically. So more, eleven percent more got killed, but they say the cause is unknown. I mean, they're speculating it's uh, more of a cell phone usage. I know exactly why. Because we moved, we moved half of our red light cameras. 
<laughs> it's probably no, cell phone I, usage. I can tell you as a fireman um, that uh, the, the deadliest <laughs> things on the road are the lack of seatbelt use and uh, cell phones. I, I'll tell you something else that winds up leading to increased pedestrian fatalities is stupid college kids running out into the road thinking cars are just going to magically stop for them because there's a stop <laughs> for pedestrian law. Well, then I was also told that worldwide, uh, more people were killed by automobiles than any other thing. So the, the smoking kills Korea, more people. Sorry. Smoking. What about alcohol? Uh, what about the American about foreign policy? Heart attack. Well, I mean, no, I'm talking about globally. Globally, auto diarrhea. People globally. dysentery. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're uh, you're. I'm sorry. Way off on that one, Sarah. Globally, they don't even have that many cars. <laughs> yeah, a quick Google search would tell you what global causes of death. I'm pretty sure diarrhea is up there. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. The toll free number here is eight fifty five four fifty free. It, now, what is it that the lack of iodine uh, lack of iodine does to you? Is it goiter? <sighs> I don't think that's what, what it is. What is it? Uh, so there's some sort of problem that the rest of the world, a lot of the rest of the world, has. Because they don't have iodized salt. They don't have any iodine in their diet. And this leads to severe, like, some sort of health problem. And I'm, I'm forgetting what it the is. The goiter is mentioned. Yeah, I feel, like it's, I feel like it's goiter. I don't know if that's a cause of death for those folks. But it, it definitely, you know, is a problem out there. So you can call, uh, comment. You can bring up whatever you want. Stefan is on So the I've line. got the oh, yes. Uh, yes. top from the WHO. Top, top world causes. Causes of death. Uh Ischemic heart disease, stroke, low respiratory infections, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, trachea, bronchitis, lung cancer, uh, diabetes, Alzheimer's, diarrhea, tuberculosis, road injury. Road injury, the very bottom. Of, of the top ten, and that would include people who are driving as well, and you know, passengers in cars, Correct. in addition to the uh, the pedestrians. So, thank Correct. you for for uh, for sharing that. The toll free number here is eight fifty five four fifty free, like freedom. Stefan in Ohio, go ahead. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? <clears throat> Yesterday, you guys were talking about basic income, and one of the arguments I always hear from people on the left is, well, we are going to need basic income because in the future, all of the jobs will be gone from automation. That's what do the you claim. That? That's the claim. We discussed this in detail on last night's show. Um, but yeah, I mean, Daryl, you weren't on the show, so you want to take a crack at that question? Go ahead. Uh, repeat the question. People say that we're going to need basic income one day because automation is going to get rid of all the readily available jobs. That's just laughable because people are still going to have to, you know, program the machines. And they said the same thing about, you know, automation during the Industrial Revolution. Like, you know, all of these machines are going to take all of the jobs. And, you know, like the automotive industry was going to, you know, take away all the jobs. But, you know, there's still a, a you know pe- group of people that want to have handmade wagons for some reason there are still candle makers even though there's this thing called electricity that makes lighting a lot more efficient i get what you're saying but isn't it possible that for the most part that the vision at the very least that jobs will pretty much disappear in some distant future 
Isn't that yes. a possibility? It's I possible. would say that it is possible. However, what they're asking us to do is predict the future. They're they're giving they're they're, yeah. they're suggesting a premise and then asking you to predict the future. About and they're suggesting it. That, that is not the way we make government yeah. policy, people. Well, and they're <laughs> suggesting that you uh, predict that future and then go ahead and make that policy right now based on right. it. Well, we're going to need this someday, so we need to have. And, this. And but it, even if but hold on, the point I wanted to make was even if it's true that the jobs go away. Like, we would have this complete paradigm shift. It could happen. It's possible. How probable it is, we don't know. But right, even if that's, that's possible. the difference of how possible versus probable. Let's just say it happens. That doesn't mean that the basic universal income is a good idea. You know, right. Even if all the jobs go away, you're not going to solve that problem, if it is a problem, with inflating the money supply, if money's even necessary at that point. Right, and... If there is, and I, I don't necessarily believe this, but if there is this you know utopian sort of thing to where machines just do all the stuff, then why does anybody need money if That's the right. machines can just you know replicate whatever? Well, the claim but, was the claim from last night was that because uh, Mark, you had a, I think a story about this, but or maybe it was Johnson. Anyway, the the uh, the basic idea was that essentially the uh, the reason you would need this is a transition transitionary kind of program, mm-hmm. meaning that oh yeah, once you're post scarcity, once there's you know you can have a replicator with there's any no kind scarcity. of thing, <laughs> then yeah, you don't need money there. But getting to that point, you're going to need to have money, and so therefore, basic universal income. Okay, so let's just you know allow things to happen naturally. Uh, but, you know, this sort of thing, and it's not just this discussion. There are a lot of discussions where somebody starts with a premise and then they'll basically throw it out and say, disprove my premise yes. that you've never really considered before ever until I just threw it out to right. you right now. And the- Oh, you can't disprove it? Therefore, you're wrong. Also, uh, you know, Star Trek isn't post-scarcity. They need dilithium crystals upon mm. which to run the Enterprise or whatever. So they're, therefore, they're, uh-huh. um, they, you know, they still have this currency in dilithium crystals. I mean, they're more like bearer bonds than they are like loose change um, in, in that they're very valuable in, uh, rather than being sort of slightly valuable. Just because you can build a house for free, you can, uh, you know, have all the snacks you want for free, you can mm. uh, power the house for free doesn't mean that you don't have an impact on the environment so then you have this uh fiat currency in pollution um so for instance carbon dioxide which you're exhaling on a regular basis or whatever form of pollution the news uh, more sustainable living units create is still a form of currency in that you have to offset this stuff. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, really, when you start looking at the future, the only real good solution is to harvest all the human heads and put them in a bag and throw them in a river. Right? Because <laughs> we are, uh, you know, like life is costly and people just don't look look at it any other way i, I don't know it's it's a mess i, I don't know how to right. deal with Stephen this Stefan will let you respond one day here. robots are going to be here so how am i supposed to deal with that maybe Stefan has an answer to his own question as well i don't know we'll check back with him here in moments you can share your thoughts with us our toll-free number is 855-450-FREE like freedom you can join us here on free talk live Kofefe. Free Talk Live, 
You dial them in toll-free here and bring up whatever's on your mind. Our number is 855-450-FREE. Like Freedom, 855-450-3733. We've got Skype, so Skype on in here at username lrn.fm. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Daryl. And Mark. And if you want to help support Free Talk Live, then please join the AMP program over at amp.freetalklive.com. It's five bucks a month. And that gets you in the club, so to speak. You get access to special AMP-only perks like AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only podcast, uh, which doesn't have the regular commercials our normal podcast does. Not that our normal podcast has many commercials. It's uh, way down from if you listen live. Yeah, if you listen live to the show, you get a a lot more commercials because that's just kind of the radio model. Um, But uh, the podcast is a way to cut that down, and the AMP-only podcast cuts it down to uh, only the stuff we talk about live, like this one. So you go to amp.freetalklive.com. You get signed up there. You can use any major credit card, PayPal, and Bitcoin as well. You get all those cool perks and more. Plus, you can help Free uh, free Talk Live. Because basically what we're doing with that 5 bucks is we're investing it into the show. We're using it to get on more radio stations around the country, bring new internet listeners on board. There's a discussion going on right now in the Ample Only Facebook group about, all right, well, we just recently split off the LRN satellite feeds into its own satellite fundraiser Patreon, which you can go and contribute to at patreon.lrn.fm. So now that we have a few, let's say, uh, you know, a couple few hundred extra dollars per month that we could spend on something else, what should it be? People seem to want to do some internet outreach. They wanted to, you know, let's recruit new internet listeners for free talk live because we're done i, I we, can tend to think the internet listeners are um you know they they're, they're they tend to be more loyal listen to the show longer uh contribute tend to be more on, likely to contribute yeah contribute yeah. on a larger basis um you know there's there's that um you know radio listeners are numerous and um great but uh, you know, I, I could just say from doing this show for 15 years, it's the internet listeners that uh, seem to be the form the basis of our uh, amplifiers. That's not to say that we don't have great radio listeners who are dedicated to the show, but you guys yep. sort of pay by listening to your radio stations and true. hearing all those commercials. Um, and uh, and our internet listeners don't have to do that, and so they're more likely to give money directly to the show, and they're more likely to be libertarian and sort of support the the message of uh, of this program. So one of the discussions going on now is, all right, well, if we're going to spend some money doing internet recruiting, which I think is a good idea, what should we do? And I'm still open to ideas. Some people said Facebook ads, and I'm like, oh my god, Facebook ads really? I mean, that's the majority of what people are saying is we should advertise on Facebook. And we did that in the past, and I'll admit, I'm not a, you know, ad online guru. Like, I'm the kind of guy who's like, I'll throw some money at this, and then uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I know there's people out there who tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak, and, you know, they try to make their ads. I think if we could find one of those people, we'd probably do a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that'd be cool, Um, but ultimately, isn't it true that Facebook requires you to advertise Facebook? Like... You you can promote your Facebook page on Facebook. You can promote, promote a post. I, I know you can promote a post. You can promote an event. Uh, but All that's Facebook oriented, right? right? Even if you're promoting a post with a link to the thing you actually want to Correct. promote, let's say this, in our case, the podcast, you know, a way for people to listen to our show uh, later on down uh, online, they would still then see the post that was being promoted by your dollars but then they'd still have to actually click on that promoted post in order to go to the the podcast. Uh, whereas, 
I don't know. It just doesn't seem as effective to me as like a Google AdWord or or something like that. And even then, I still don't like throwing money at at Google either. But I feel better about giving Google money than I do Facebook money. They just feel more useful uh, to me in general. But what are some other options? Because these are like the easy options. Oh, you throw some money at Facebook. Throw some money at Google. You know what? What else? Somebody suggested uh, taking hiring somebody to cut clips of the show out and upload those to social media. Which might be a more effective right, way. Right, and that's something that uh, I, I believe the Young Turks do, to where you know they'll have short clips out of their longer show yep. that get posted places, and then you post those shorter clips, you know, and have those be the sponsored content thing. Right, or at the very least, the clips will get shared more because the Facebook algorithm. They're shorter, and the Facebook algorithm promotes Facebook videos. So if you upload that clip to the Facebook platform, it's more likely well, to get even, more more shares than the YouTube version. Might. Right. Well, here's the question that you have to ask: of Do you want to promote the Facebook page, or do you want to promote the YouTube channel? Well, that's the thing. Facebook's more likely to promote their own content, so they're going to down basically sort of down mod any YouTube posts that you make. The point would be to promote right, Free you, Talk Live. Right, but if you post the YouTube video, you could do ads on YouTube to promote the YouTube video, or if you post the video to Facebook, you could do Facebook ads to promote the Facebook video. So the question is, which of those two things would you rather be promoting? Well, I'd rather be promoting the podcast personally because that's really it's where easy, that's it's what easier we want to count. To yeah, do. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, that's why I say I don't know what to do. Uh, so I'm I'm interested in hearing ideas. If you want to contribute to that discussion, you can join the AMP program over at amp.freetalklive.com, and then we'll get you into the Facebook group there. Amp.freetalklive.com. And if you don't have Facebook, you can just shoot us suggestions directly at ian at freetalklive.com or mark at freetalklive.com, and we will take those under advisement. Let's go back to Stefan. In Ohio, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, you had called to ask about this universal basic income discussion that we uh, talked about the other night here on Free Talk Live. And as I said, I'm sure this is going to come up again and again as you know more robots are taking taking our jobs. Uh, more people and are going to talk about this. Did you hear that Mark Zuckerberg apparently was promoting UBI recently? Right. Yep. And now and apparently. Well, apparently now there is a Zuckerberg 2020 Ugh. FEC Pack. Uh, yeah. group. Oh, no. Yeah. That, that's kind of interesting because when I heard about that, I thought to myself, well, why would Mark Zuckerberg promote it? But then I thought about it and it's like then more people can stay at home and use Facebook. Well, yeah, uh, well yeah. also, Mark Zuckerberg would, uh, you know, we would look at what have been the most successful campaigns in his lifetime, and he would probably look at uh, Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders, right? And, um, you know, I, I don't know what his political proclivities are, but uh, if he probably pre- not a libertarian, if he prefers uh, Bernie Sanders, then he tries to look at, well, what did Bernie Sanders do wrong? And a couple of things that Bernie Sanders did wrong was being old and kind okay. of uh, cranky sounding. Ah, yeah. You know? yep. um, and so if he could do Bernie Sanders without the old and cranky, because Bernie Sanders can't help being 80, right? That's right. Um, uh, but if he can do it without be- doing the old and cranky thing, then he's he figures to himself, well, then I can be president because Hillary Clinton almost was, and she basically had to cheat. We don't know what would have happened if she didn't cheat, um, sort of in the uh, the DNC, you know, elections thing. But it was pretty go- close. So yeah, it's a it's a mm. fair plan. 
I'm I'm sorry. I I hate when people say that the Democratic primary was close because it really was not. Well, the um, delegate count was very close if you do mm-hmm. not include the superdelegates. Well, so that is a factual statement. Would you consider eight points to be close? Eight points is close. That's close. Yeah, that's four points change in sides. But in a general election against two candidates, we would consider eight points to be a substantial margin. But Why don't again, we feel the same? You don't know what the, the so, effect of um, you know the the her stacking the deck in the from the get go. And I'm not saying that she would would have lost, but we don't know the effect. And well, it's also not just the you know quote unquote popular vote in the primaries that determines who the nominee is. It's the allocation of those delegates. And again, the delegate count, if you don't include the superdelegates, was incredibly close. Uh, from what I'm looking at here, Bernie Sanders had 1,846, and Hillary had 2,205. Are you including the superdelegates? The superdelegates. That that's, was the final tally. That's just pledged. Are you sure? Because the I, numbers that I saw was... When you subtracted out the superdelegates, it was a lot closer. Like, how At close are we moment, talking about? Like, a, like dozens of votes or a I couple think it hundreds? was dozens. Here, let me let me see here. Um, together, Hillary Clinton had 2,205 pledged delegates, and Bernie Sanders yeah. had Weren't the superdelegates pledged to her because they were superdelegates? Well, superdelegates yes. give endorsements. So, no, no superdelegates can say, I am pledged to. Right. The Democratic Party isn't Democratic. I mean, come on. Right. Uh, the superdelegates like Republican Party doesn't believe in republics. Right. That's how they stacked the, the deck against Bernie Sanders was through this superdelegate well, thing. To, to be fair, they didn't create the superdelegate thing to halt Bernie. The superdelegate thing had been in existence yes, since the Yes, but that's what they Mondale. used to stack the well, deck because it's all that. the old school Dems who are on Hillary's they side. They used that, plus they gave favorable treatment to Hillary in giving her uh, data that the DNC had, and they did not give some of that data to Bernie. Out of time. Thanks, Stefan, for the call tonight. We'll see you tomorrow online. In the meantime, over at freetalklive.com. Ross Ulbricht was convicted in early 2015 of running the infamous Silk Road underground market. The Silk Road was a gift to humanity and helped reduce the harms brought on by drug prohibition. For this good deed, Ross has been sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Now, an appeal is Ross's only chance, and he needs your support. Please visit FreeRoss.org, where you can contribute via various methods, including Bitcoin. Visit FreeRoss.org. That's FreeRoss.org.